Marini's Media. Imagine you're the lead in a pantomime. Say you're Robin Hood and you've got to perform. That's been taken away from you. So, you're not really Robin Hood, are you? At least there's always Ollie. This is the Totally Football League Show. And what's a band of merry men alongside me, Maid Marion? That's right, I'm Maid Marion. Neither of you can be. First up, my friar tuck. Let's just leave that hanging. Sam Parkins here. Morning, Caroline. <laughs> no, morning, Sam. Harsh, Are you provi- harsh that. Well, uh, well, Adrian Clark, who do you want to be? <laughs> I don't know any other characters. I can't think of any of them. <laughs> How do you not it's know the characters in Robin Hood? <laughs> Look, it's been a while, okay, since since since, since I watched or, or read it. Sorry, I've got nothing. All right, I'm just going to call you Little John. Uh, his name is Adrian <laughs> Clark. If that was entertaining, it's not as entertaining. That's all right. It's not as entertaining as Sam Parkins message to us on the WhatsApp group this morning, which was, Sam, you can only save three. And then a picture of uh, the finest eating establishments, Domino's, Greg's, Subway, McDonald's, Nando's, Weatherspoons, Pizza Hut, Wagamama and KFC. Which three did you go for, Sam? It's pretty much the only quiz that I was able to forward onto you. Everything else has been a bit blue that I've been receiving over the last few weeks as people try and entertain themselves. But um, no-brainer, wasn't it? McDonald's, definitely, 100%. Um, Nando's, I would say. And toss-up between Wagamama and KFC. Obviously very mood-dependent, those two, but I'd probably just plump for getting rid of KFC, so... Wagamama, McDonald's and Nando's would be my three to remain. I mean, clearly that's the wrong answer. Adrian? Yeah, uh, old McDonald's, as my children call call, call the golden <laughs> arches, has to say so cute. Um, they, they actually think it's called old McDonald's. Um, so definitely keeping that. I can't lose the wicked zinger meal from my life, so I have to go KFC. And for me, Greg's, I just think VFM, the, the sausage rolls, the donuts, I, I don't think I could lose Greg so uh, that would be my three well as a convert to the vegan sausage roll I think you're right with Greg's uh, Wagamama and KFC that's today's um, most important issues sorted then how are you both that aside (laughs) Uh, I'm all right yeah just yeah I continue to be exhausted um, looking after uh, two little ones 24-7 but look it could be much much worse couldn't it Um, the sun shining Lots of time in the garden when I'm not working. So, no, um, can't complain, really. And baby parking? He's doing well. Yeah, had a better night's sleep last night. Probably the first one in a fortnight. Uh, managed to keep him in his, his cot rather than uh, watching box sets with him in the early hours in the living room. So we're taking that as a minor success this morning. All right, we are all checked in at the Totally Show for you to check in to. Hope you are and your family all well. At this time, we'll try and entertain you for the next hour. We've got a player exclusive coming up. The team of the season goes League One and plenty more in between. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. Let's start, though, in in the championship. The state of play at the moment, we're hearing from lots of players, lots of chief exec and managers as well over the past couple of days. But the big news, Adrian, is that the EFL and the PFA recommending recommending a 25% wage deferral for April for, for League One and League Two players. What do you make of that? I think it's fair enough. I, I really do. Um, I do feel that, that a 25% 
reduction in salary or deferral, as it's been called, is is about right. I, I think that the players will will accept that. Um, it, and I suspect, given that it's it's for players only taking home uh, two and a half grand or more per month, I suspect most first team players across the leagues will, will be impacted by this, but they will be able mm. to survive. They're not doing their jobs at the moment. They're, they're unable to. Their employers can't bring in income. So, so I think I think if it is a, a 25% deferral or, or cut, to be perfectly honest, in the short term, while we're without football, then I don't think footballers can complain too much. Well, let's get a, a different view on it. Someone that's experienced all levels of the Football League, Luton Town Chief Exec, Gary Sweet joins us on the show. Hiya, Gary. How are you? First off, how's the family? All healthy, actually, and we so we can't really complain. You know, we're 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 sort of stuck at home. A little bit of cabin fever, but actually, you know, if that's the least you got to complain about, then we've got no problems. Yeah, too true. And you get to talk to us, although don't hold that against us. Uh, what about your second family and 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 Luton? Then, what's the state of the of the club at the moment? Clearly, we've seen a number of clubs talking about furloughing uh, their staff, about the the level of risk that they're at. What's what's the current financial health at Luton? It, it's um, it's difficult, Caroline. I mean, I think we we like to um, think of ourselves and we sort of pride ourselves on being quite you know a well-run club quite prudent in the what in our financial management at least we we don't overspend at the same time shareholders never have never taken dividends before so you know so we try always to break even that always doesn't happen in our history particularly when we're in those dark conference years then uh or actually quite light conferences we enjoyed it but those those time that, that we lost quite a bit of money at that point because there's no central income coming into you but since we've been in the league we've been pretty stable so i th- i think from that point of view we're actually quite sound but you know we are going to seriously feel the pinch here you know this is when you cut off the supply chain of cash into a football club bearing in mind that the football industry is a cash driven industry it, it you know our balance sheet in our pnl is very healthy but cash is what's needed to um to, for, for a business in football to trade and so you cut off that supply then you know then every business is going to suffer and that's including Luton Town. do you have a, a date by which football needs to be back playing for you to not face that kind of financial hardship of the future i think we what we're doing is is just trying to keep three to six months ahead so we you know we're rather than thinking about paying the bills today this week or even this month we're trying to just just clear the path a little bit longer um and we're okay on that but we do need help you know if you think that we uh, we're probably going to lose something in the region of 20%, 20% of our annual income for this this particular season, this financial period. That that income is not going to come back ever at any point. Therefore, we need to to lose the equivalent amount um, on our from our cost base. That's how we have to, as a football club, have to survive, and that means that you know. Players, in, inevitably, because that's the biggest element of our cost base, have to be involved and they have to help us during this process if um, if Luton Town is going to survive going forward. Yeah, I, I think that's the only way, um, Gary. It's, yeah, it's a sensible approach. Can I put forward a scenario then uh, for when football does resume? Hopefully at some point 
this summer, but it's behind closed doors. Now that immediately strikes me as being a, a big, big problem for, for EFL clubs for, for the most obvious reasons. Have you started to think about how you can generate any kind of income from those games, i.e. by charging the fans a little bit extra, maybe to watch it on the online how would it work? Is it could could you put out a call to arms to to the public to say, look, can you all pay X amount of money to to watch our games? It will help keep us afloat. Is is that something you're you're even beginning to think about? We're already doing it actually. You know, we're we're doing little things at the moment where we're doing a little um, sort of taking the golden gamble, little golden gamble game that we have. You know, during during a, a match day, we're taking that online on a Saturday when we we reshow a a, a game from past years on, on at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon over I follow that type of thing. So we are doing some of that already. Uh, and, and yes, absolutely. I think there is, there is going to, there are going to be some, um, some opportunities available to clubs to, um, to grab some revenue. Uh, and I think, you know, the whole debate of whether games are played behind closed doors or, or in front of a crowd or not is, is a real lively one. And, and, and and you know I hate to think of football being played without a crowd. It's it, for me it is is you know it's absolutely a, a spectator sport. But I do think it might be a, a case of needs must in this situation because the I do think that the season has to finish as long as it's safe for everybody involved and as long as it doesn't add resources to the NHS. I think that's the that's got to be the way forward just to get the season out of the way because cancellation of the season, it, it, you know, would would result in a cataclysmic disaster for for football generally when you talk about other football clubs um mark palios who you know well obviously former football association chief exec but now at at tranmere he said that a double figure number of english football league clubs would go into insolvency because of coronavirus have you got any sort of and we don't want to pick numbers out of the air or pluck numbers out of the air clearly but do you think he's he's roundabout right I, I, I've got a lot of time for Mark. I've got a huge lot of, amount of respect for him, and um, and Mark's rarely wrong. Um, I, I don't think there's any reason to challenge Mark's view on this. He, he's, you know, we we've in a way, you know, we're in a in a position where having gone through now, I mean, I've been chief exec for four levels, you know, from Conference League Two, League One, now Championship, and 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 I think in different ways it is affecting clubs at those levels. But it is equally affecting those clubs at every level. And, you know, knowing clubs in the Premier League, too, it's also affecting them. So, again, in different ways, you know, if you if you look at where we are at the moment in the championship, you know, financial fair play is a topic that we've discussed before. It's a topic that, you know, that as Luton, we feel really strongly about. Um, have felt really strongly about in that there have been so many clubs in our mind that has acted irresponsibly, overpaying players, paying, you know, two pound for uh, <laughs> per one pound of income for, for towards their football budget is, is, is just chronically ludicrous. And so, um, you know, for those reasons in the championship, you know, clearly they're, they're, they've already got debt. They've, they've, they're racking up more debt by, by deferring lots of salaries it's a disastrous situation for some of those big, big clubs, you know, and, and I would be amazed if, if we didn't see one or two follow Barry in this situation into that graveyard. The most important thing here is to keep the football family together to try. Uh, I think clubs are, I beg clubs to try and reach compromised agreements between each other. This isn't the time for, for, you know, 
uh, for bitching and and being two faced. You know that has happened mm. before in in uh, leagues at a certain level. We have to stick together here if we want football to survive. Gary, I just wanted to ask you about another uh, revenue stream. I know season ticket sales are really important for for clubs at this stage of the season. That, have you seen a drop off in those, considering the circumstances and and the unknown? And I was speaking to a friend of mine who works behind the scenes at Brentford. Obviously, that's uh, quite a unique situation. They're moving to a new stadium. But with that on the horizon for you as well, Gary, I just wanted to know what the latest was with the plans, considering you've overcome some huge hurdles in the last few months. And it must be an exciting time, although really difficult period for, for everyone at the, the club and the town. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- thanks, Sam, for the other questions. Because they're good. The, the season that we have seen the drop off in season ticket sales, yes, they've been really encouraging though you know we've just gone through 2000 so and, and i thank everyone who who's contributed to that we've we've had people add donations to their season tickets people who know they can't attend wanting to buy a virtual season ticket just to put some money into into the club's club's bank so i think that's you know it's so admirable uh, but we do completely understand that that you know this is also affecting our supporters personally and so if they can't if they can't step up and and give us that cash at the moment, then completely understandable. But we do need it to survive. So we 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 expect to. Pro- I mean, we sold seven thousand season tickets last season by this time. So we're we're quite behind that. But we did we had just got promoted. So I think this this uh, we're probably budgeting around about you know around about half that level um, until we've got some kind of sense of knowledge of what's happening going forward um on the other question with regards to the stadium and property side that, that's actually an interesting situation because we are in a really good position i mean if if, if we were going to lock down at any point now's a good time because it, it we've got planning we um we've that planning's been is now uncontested we're in a a really uh, envious position that long term we we own the asset we've only got internal debt there's no, we don't owe, no, owe anybody outside the organization so actually when we come back to some sense of normality we it's within our gift then to reassess the market and then effectively tweak those plans according to how we feel life is going to be uh, post virus so Actually, we're in a really good position where we can be flexible, um, we can act quickly, and we we can capitalise longer term on that. So the, the plans for the stadium don't change at all, but they do clearly are going to experience a, a delay while we, we go through this period. Okay, we, we have taken up far too much of your, your time, but one final bit of clarity. We're going to go on to talk about League One and League Two. You'd be well aware that the EFL and the PFA have recommended this, this 25% wage deferral for for April for players but it's all to do with whether they're earning more than two and a half thousand pounds a month I don't expect you to tell me your wage budget but is is that the sort of level you'll be looking at a 25% wage deferral does that sound like the the right thing to do no I I think um actually I mean if you read look at Mark Palliot's comments in the Telegraph yesterday were excellent and and he's, he was talking that saying that the, the 50% is probably required at that level I think 25% is really quite light and I, I think if you look at the way it's positioned it's, it's I think that's just a holding position for this month um I, th- I think clubs will probably have to revisit that next it's just to get cl- some clubs over the line for April in the championship it's a completely different scenario and and a much you know, darker picture because you, you've you've got clubs that are so 
heavily weighed down, you know, um, by by player salaries. It's the only place they can go to 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 make to to get back that that lost cash. So I I know of clubs that are you know in the championship that are, that are hitting trying to get fifty percent deferred. At the end of the day, you know, they all need need actually a reduction in salary, not not a deferral, because you know our our income has been lost for good. Not it's not going to come back. So, you know, and I, I don't mind telling, I mean, our budget, we, we've got a salary cap of 6K per week anyway. We don't pay more than that, which is low for the championship. And, and with our squad, that, that gives us a, a basic salary budget of about 7 million. So that's really sensible, you know, but um, it, it is still a lot of money. And, and you know, when you've not got income uh, coming in, you've still got 600 odd grand going out towards players every single month. That, that's got to come from somewhere. So for us, we'll be looking at it slightly differently. Um, the, the Football League have, have, have effectively told championship clubs they've got to negotiate independently. There is a framework behind it that, that many championship clubs are following, which is actually quite a bit higher than the 25% that's, that's kind of been in, indicated for League 1 and 2. Gary Sweet, Luton Town Chief Exec, Adrian Clark, Sam Parkins still with me, talking there about wage deferrals. Do you think, Sam, that this is something that the players will get behind? I think the majority, I think actually what Gary said, you know, towards the end of his interview there, you know, a reduction, not a deferral would be his priority, uh, would be his preference, because obviously that may lead clubs into trouble further down the line when they have to pay that money back. So I completely concur with that sentiment. Uh, I just think on the, the players' front, because it's not definitive at the moment that the EFA and the PFA aren't saying that the clubs have to do this, and it sounds like there's going to be a lot of communication between players and owners as to what they can do to help. It may not be as much as 25%, if you like. And I just think with players, even though the circumstances are so unique in the world currently, I just think players still have their own agendas uh, in terms of whether they're happy at the club. They'll have agents, um, which will certainly have an input, family members. And I think some of them will feel pressurised. I think initially they'll lean on the other players. That's what we used to do. You speak to the other lads in the dressing room, but then there'll be some outside influences. And I'm not saying this will be across the board because the large majority of players should be able to afford this, you know, with the mortgage mortgage payment holidays as well, you know, being flexible with another couple of things. I'm sure it's doable for the large majority, but I just think if it's not a definitive line in the sand, there could still be some problems ahead in the weeks to come. Yeah, I do agree with Sam. I think that there will be certain people looking to, you know, hold firm and and agents may well be telling their their clients, you know, not to agree to anything um, without their their say-so, of course. It's it's a really, really difficult scenario. And the other question that we need to broach is how long are these going to be permanent pay cuts or just Mm -hmm. during the interim period where we have no football that that's not really clear at the moment either is it so you know I just think while there is no football if players were on half money I don't think they can complain too much because football will come back and and providing they then go back to their original contracts I don't see the issue it's where clubs are then looking to to make those cuts for for the next two or three years of a player's contract that to me doesn't seem quite right, even though that income has been lost forever, as Gary Sweet mm. w- was making the point there. So it's difficult for all concerned. 
We're actually going to hear from a, a League Two player a little bit later in the show. But a couple of other championship headlines for you before we move on. Reading and Birmingham said there was material uncertainty over their ability to exist as a going concern. Of course, Gary Sweet talking about the trouble that a lot of championship clubs face. In fact, Reading's manager Mark Bone and chief exec Nigel Howe have offered to defer substantial amounts of their salary, percentage of their salary, for the next three months. Stoke and Preston owners, meanwhile, have already vowed to honour their financial commitments. West Brom chief exec Mark Jenkins has taken a 100% pay cut. And Millwall have decided against furloughing players because it means they won't be able to follow specified training programmes. And if they're found to do that, they would lose their funding. Little rattle round the championship then. We're off to League One next. Uh, we've got some attacking players waiting to hear if they've made it into Clarkey and Parkey's coveted teams of the season. Get great offers every day with William Hill. Join today and get £30 in free bets when you bet £10 using the promo code C30. Whether you like great prices, free bets or in-play scoreboards, William Hill has you covered. William Hill is who you play with. Promo code C30. New online customers only. Minimum £10 stake. Win only. Minimum odds 1-2. to two. Free bets paid as free £10 bets. 30-day expiry. Free bet payment method player and country restrictions apply. Good news, fans of League One and Clarkey and Parkey. I always feel uncomfortable calling Clarkey and Parkey. I don't know why. Adrian Clark and Sam Parkin's teams of the season because we've got it on the way. Elsewhere, Fleetwood chairman Andy Pilly's releasing daily videos breaking down the issues facing football with a crisis as it is. Uh, here is a clip of Andy. My football club will be OK, right? Now, I may have to cost cut significantly, right? But I will find a way to uh, navigate through these times and Fleetwood Football Club will continue to exist. My concern and my big worry here is that we may have double figures of football clubs who go to the wall, famous football clubs who no longer exist, who no longer deliver the quality of life and the pride to their community that they have done for perhaps 100 years or more. Right? The very integrity of the competition that we love is at stake here. You have a vocal Andy Pilly. Sunderland's Luco 9 has been teaming up with the Future U, doing virtual workouts in his home to support the NHS and Bolton's press officer. Well done, Paul. Paul Holiday ran a marathon in his living room. Just the four and a half thousand laps needed to complete the 26.2 miles. He's been raising money for High Five Lancashire. Either of you fancy doing that? <laughs> That's a great idea, though, isn't it? I did see a video of it. Do I fancy it? Um, no, I really don't, I'm oh. afraid. So, so kudos. Well played. I need the spectators. That was the only thing that got me through the marathon. I went, at, I went at a snail's pace, but as long as I could run right on the barrier and get people hollering my name out, that was enough to see me through. We'll join you on FaceTime and slow hand clap, won't we, Adrian? Uh, anyway, enough of that. <laughs> let's, get, let's get the clapping out then for your teams of the season so far. Sam, remind us of your, your players and the teams they play for. Yeah, I had Morosi in goal from Coventry, uh, the aforementioned 9 at right back. Then I went Harry Suter from Fleetwood, one of my centre-halves. Hickway from Rotherham, his partner. And Jacobson from Wickham Wanderers was my left back. And then we did one other player, didn't we, Will? Adrian did the back five, uh, back three. I gave you my holding midfield player, who is Ben Whiteman from Doncaster. And that was because, Adrian, you broke the rules, didn't you, with your formation of your team? Who have you gone for? <laughs> yeah. I went He's a bit gone maverick, fruity. Didn't I? 
<laughs> I've gone for a three-four-three. Three. Uh, so yeah, Daniel Everson in goal uh, on loan from Leicester to Rotherham, of course, uh, having a great season. Um, back three: Rob Dickey of Oxford, Carl McFadden of Coventry City in the middle, and Michael Hikwe of Rotherham as my left-sided centre half. Uh, Fankati Dabo, right wing back from Coventry, and uh, left wing back would be Joe Jacobson of Wickham, and that's as far as I got. Right, let's go all out, attack, attack, attack. Who goes into your midfield alongside Whiteman then, Sam? Well, yeah, I've gone for kind of three similar players, but my tactic is for those boys just to keep the ball and Adrian not get anywhere near it. So <laughs> Ben Whiteman can be my deeper one. And I'm going to have Liam Walsh, who I think has been brilliant at Coventry. And I can't understand why he's not at Bristol City because he's their player. And I think he'd probably getting their team this season. I think they're weak in that position. It's been excellent, can do a bit of everything, arguably the goal of the season, I would say, in League One, an individual goal against um, at Rochdale. And he's someone I watched a number of years, saw him coming through at Everton, always liked him and he's been fantastic. Alongside him, slightly advanced, I'm going to have Cameron Brannigan from Oxford United. Amazing start to the season. Um, he's gone a little bit off the boil because he's had a few injuries, but... Five goals, five assists, closing in on 100 games uh, for a young player. Pretty impressive statistics. Um, Yeah, 23 uh, years of age. Ben Whiteman's 23 as well, and Liam Walsh is 22. So I've got legs, I've got passing range, I've got goal scoring ability. They can shoot from distance. Yeah, Adrian's not going to get a kick. Well, I am going to get a kick because I've picked the same two. <laughs> I'm going to keep it away from you, my friend. <laughs> um, yeah, so so I've just gone for for, for the two man midfield with obviously Dabo and, and Jacobson as as the wing backs. But yeah, like, I'd echo everything everything Sam said there. I, it's a very very good point on on Bristol City. He, he would get into their team, in my opinion. So I think that has, that has to go down as a ricket. From Lee Johnson, he's been brilliant, and and Brannigan, um, yeah, he, he's a very, he's he's just scores goals, can defend, good passer. I just think he's an excellent all round midfielder. The, the one who's unlucky to miss out here is is Barlasser, who's at Rotherham. Mm. He's been excellent on on loan there this season. So so I, f- I feel for him, but look, I had to I had to nullify Sam, didn't I, in, inside that engine room? <laughs> yeah, too right, too right, right. Let's uh, briefly finish it off with who's going up front then, Sam. I will, I'll go, I'll start on the right-hand side, shall I? Um, I've got a lovely balance, I tell you, lovely balance. Uh, but this guy <laughs> well, what about the team? is, this guy is just a beautiful footballer, beautiful footballer, James Henry, another Oxford player, which I shouldn't be doing. But every time I watch him, as he gets older, he's getting better. And um, 12 goals, nine assists this season, uh, plays a variety of roles, can play in the middle, can play wide. Had an unbelievable run early part of the season. I think he scored a brace in three straight home games and he really was firing and I just think he's such a clever player. So, yeah, he's going to play on the right-hand side. Um, Adrian, do you want to do your right-sider? Uh, well, it's the same. So, <laughs> no arguments there. No, James Henry, he has to be in there. I Initially, I had um, Blackpool's Liam Feeney in there. 
purely on the basis of, of, of his incredible assist count. I mean, the deliveries from the right that he's put in have been tremendous this season. But just, I need more goals in my team. So I think, you know, I've got those five sort of defend, defenders there. So I, I needed more of a goal output. So so Henry just shaded it ahead of Feeney. Um, I'll go on the left then, um, if, if you don't mind. I'll go, I'll go Chris Maguire from Sunderland. Um, real match winner. I think over set pieces, he's going to make the difference in those in those moments that matter. Ten goals, nine assists. I think is is, is a cracking achievement. Um, not everyone's cup of tea as a, as a, as a personality. It would always rub up opposition players, but but he's someone that Sunderland have increasingly relied upon, and uh, and I think that, that that he will create a nice balance, a little bit of flair, capable of the spectacular from the left hand side. Tell me, Sam, you haven't got Maguire. I haven't, no, mate, and I'm delighted you've gone for him. Yeah, he's going to disrupt my dressing room. That's why he doesn't get in my team. Um, He's a very talented boy, but just watching him from the sidelines makes me want to go and kick him on occasion. So you can have him. You're welcome to him. I am Ronan Curtis. Uh, Pace. You know, I've got a real lack of pace in my team. I think yours is probably going to be supplied by... Um, Fankerty on the right-hand side. But, yeah, I don't have much speed. So he can hug the touchline in coming field and hit shots with his right foot. Um, yeah, I just think defensively he gives everything as well. So that left-hand side picks itself. I think Jacobson, the season he's had, and uh, Curtis has been, you know, pretty consistent over his two mm. years at Pompey. Please tell me both of you are going for Tony. There's no debate, right? <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no debate. No, 24 goals. I mean, he's walked it, hasn't he, in terms of the, the golden boot in that division. He's, he's been sensational, I think. Probably the best player in the division. And I think if he was in League One this season, uh, not League One, rather, the Championship this season, that he would not have 24 goals, but but he would score goals in the Championship. The varieties produced, quality of finishing is, is high. In the right team in the Championship, I think he would, um, he'd be up there in the goal charts too. Yeah, Sam? absolutely. There's, there's, no one to, there's no one to push him really. Um, you're looking at Nanjale maybe of, of Blackpool. He's had his, probably his best season uh, on record. Godden's come into some good form at Coventry, but there's no one to touch Ivan Tony, he's got everything really. He was he was a bit volatile in his early years, but I think that aggression, when it's channeled properly, is a, is a big asset for him. Strength, aggression, obviously hold up, play, and a brilliant array of goals. You know, heading goals, sensational volleys, and he's good in one on one situations as well. So can understand why he has the big price tag on his head, and expect him to get a really nice move for him in the uh, coming months. Talking of numbers, are we done? Who else have we got to go? And can we have your manager? Go on, Sam. Who's your gaffer? My gaffer is, uh, unsurprisingly, Mark Robbins. I think there's an argument to say he's the current manager of the year in the in the EFL and made a real big change, really. In October, I think it was, when he changed the system. New style of play, really. Very heavy possession. I think that was there from the early part of the season, but the shape in particular changed. I think it was against Fleetwood when they hadn't won in the previous four games. So made a big call. I think a lot of that's down to AD Vivash as well, his assistant who I played with and and know from his work in Chelsea's academy. So he has to take big credit. 
great recruitment, playing in a very unique way as well with those diminutive midfield players, dominating the ball uh, and winning a lot of tight games. So great game management, defensively sound and to do it all without the home advantage of the supporters is just an incredible achievement. So that's the the biggest no-brainer of all the selections, I would say. <laughs> is the right answer. Adrian? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to argue with it. He, he, he's my pick as well. Carl Robinson, honourable mention for him because Oxford are great to watch, uh, score so many goals, um, enjoying an unexpectedly brilliant season. He's made the club some money by flogging players that, that he developed and improved, and he also took them on a few on on a cut run, didn't he, Carl Robinson? So so he would be runner up, but yeah, I, I can't look beyond Robbins either for all the reasons that Sam's explained. Well done, you two. Quite right. Uh, although, if you do argue with their management techniques, you can, of course, via our social media. We'll put all the teams out on social media to vote for your favourite: Clarkie United or Parking Rangers. At the Totally Show to find out more and to vote. Off to League Two next, and a very special guest. Listeners, we want to tell you about a beautifully simple way to showcase and sell your photography. PicFair is used by over 150,000 people worldwide. It's a free platform that allows anyone to sell their photos from complete amateurs like me to seasoned professionals, probably like some of you out there in Podland. And PicFair is so simple. All you do is upload your photos, name your price, and those pics will appear on your personal online photography store. Your photographs will also be listed on PicFair's central marketplace, where images taken by people who've never sold a picture before have been published by The Guardian, Time Out and Rough Guides, and they've even been used on the front cover of National Geographic. Alongside digital downloads, customers can also purchase your photos as beautiful frame prints and canvases. And whether you sell them through your own store or the marketplace, PicFair will produce the prints for you in high-quality labs and take care of all of the shipping. So if you've got time on your hands and you're wondering what to do with all of the brilliant photos you've got lying around on your hard drive or camera roll, go to pickfair.com and sign up for free today. That's P-I-C-F-A-I-R.com. Pickfair, a new home for your photography. This is the Totally Football League Show with Caroline Barker. Into League Two then, and each week we'd like to get an insight into players around the leagues. This week we're heading to the West Country in Swindon Town's finest. Hear what I say, Sam Park in Swindon Town's finest, Danny Rose, here with us. Hi, Danny. Hi, good morning. How are you doing? Yeah, we're all right. Where, where do we fit in on your, your habitat tracker that I've been reading on social media? <laughs> Uh, well, I've just finished uh, an, an hour or so of homeschooling with uh, with the kids, so I managed to squeeze that in. Sort of made it a bit shorter this morning, just so I could squeeze this phone call in before lunch. I love how I said habitat tracker, like we're going into the undergrowth. I meant habit tracker, clearly, clearly. But that, <laughs> that's that's been important. Now, don't laugh at me, boys. That's been important for you, hasn't it? Though, just to to keep a, a track of what what you're doing. Is that that whole kind of discipline thing from being a player as well? Yeah, I think so. It's just trying to convert, obviously, what we get as as players. I guess every day we sort of get told, you know, where to be, where to go at, at certain times. So that's just something that I found that really help, is helping me um, keep that sort of discipline throughout my day, give me a bit of structure. But also one or two other things which I've wanted to incorporate into my sort of daily routine, i.e. a bit of meditation or it might be yoga, Sort of something like that, and I know I can schedule that in in around the the, the daily hustle that is with having the kids at home all day every day as well because they have needs and they need dad around as well. 
In terms of keeping fit then, Danny, what's your what's your plan? What's your programme? How hands-on has the gaffer been, I guess, in terms of, of, of making sure that you're staying trim? And, and part two of that question really would be, given how long you've already been off, how long do you think it seriously would, would take for you to be match ready once the, the nod comes for, for you guys to play again? Yeah, well, the, the, the manager has been, been very active uh, within our sort of WhatsApp group that we have in making sure that the lads are, you know, keeping up to their up to date with all the exercises that we're doing and the workouts, we sort of got separated into three uh, WhatsApp groups. So each group was assigned with a member of staff, and they were firing in different exercises and runs and uh, circuits to do throughout the day. And you had we have to take a screenshot of that of that workout after after it's done. So if we're using our Apple Watch or uh, your Fitbit or something like that, your smartwatch. No cheating. We have to make sure that we. No, exactly. Yeah. So there's no no easy way. As long as we're putting in those, you know, the the screenshots of our workouts, then then they're happy. So, and as the you know the weeks are progressing and it looks like we're having a you know a longer period of time off, they've sort of uh, toned down a little bit for the last week or so. But I think at the moment we're looking at around about the 16th of May as an unofficial date to re- to return to training. The, the workouts will definitely, you know, get a bit more intense in the build-up because we won't have, you know, much time to, we'll probably have about three weeks as a sort of mini pre-season to get ourselves up to speed if we're looking to resume the season around the beginning of June. Danny, obviously, I know the club well and um, you're, you're one of the sets of players that are going to be on the football side frustrated because you've had such a, a brilliant season. Um, caveat that with obviously there's, there's a lot much more important things going on. Um, just wanted to get your insight as something of a League Two promotion expert. Where would you rank this Swindon team and squad in comparison to the teams that you went up with at Northampton and Portsmouth? Yeah, in terms of the the, the team spirit, that it's right up there. It's right up there, especially with the team that we had had at Portsmouth, because that was a that season. You know, there's a lot of pressure under us that season to go up. We were the obviously the biggest club in in the league, a big budget. So all the pressure was there to, to do it, and, and we thankfully managed to do to do it. And compared to to this squad, you know, it's it's a it's a pretty much a brand new squad that the manager put together in the summer. I know when he sort of inherited the squad, he he made it public towards the end of last season that there was going to be wholesale changes, which there were. I think it was fifteen or sixteen players left as they were all out of contract. Uh, so it's like I said, it was a fresh new squad, but he you know took us away in the summer and they you know, put money aside in the budget to do that. You know, not many teams in, in League Two go go away abroad in the summer. So I think that, that was really important. But also the the types of characters that he uh, recruits, you know, are, are the right blend of characters. I think we've got a, a great blend of experience, um, you know, players that are, you know, in around their prime, late late 20s who have, who have managed to accumulate a good amount of experience and, and success and also some uh, some young hungry players as well and, and some players that, who are on loan trying to learn so I think the recruitment side of it is one of the main reasons why we've you know done as well as we have but also like I said like the, the characters I think there's no there's been no incidences throughout the season where things have o- overboiled to a, to a bad degree of course like training is, is competitive and you want that it needs to be like that you need to train at that intensity day in day out but if one person, you know, is, is showing a hint of, of of stepping over the line, then there's a, a few players in the squad that are quickly to put players back in their place. 
Look, I, I don't want to label you the golden oldies, but there are num- a number of you over 30 <laughs> as well, aren't there, at Swindon? I, I think this might be a record, you know, because at League Two clubs these days, it, it, it seems they're getting younger and younger with their their personnel. But but you guys have a number of, of you over 30. That, that's priceless, isn't it? That kind of experience. And, and yeah, how, how do you all get along? Because there are there are so many senior pros there. Yeah, it, it, I think I think it's good. I think it probably probably close to a maybe a quarter. Yeah, a quarter of the squad is made up of players who who are over thirty, accumulated a lot of games over the career, and also been been successful. Like I mentioned, so I think it's really important. The manager does involve us in a lot of uh, discussions. He has a sort of uh, leadership group as such, where he'll bring us in, and we'll we'll just have a informal chat with him, basically about all things that are going on in the change room. So he sort of lets us as a, as the experienced players police the, the changing room and he doesn't get too, too much involved in that unless something happens, which is very serious and he needs to deal with that. So I think it's, it's important that we're given that responsibility throughout the season, because then when it comes, what you're going onto the pitch, you've got that experience to, to drive those lads and, and get those lads through it because there are going to be sticky times throughout the season. We've had one or two sticky patches already and we've come through and no doubt there'll be one or two, even though there'll be, well, look, the likelihood is that they'll be behind closed doors against, but there'll be one or two sticky patches to, to get us over the line and hopefully get promoted. Can I just ask, you'll have seen the, the story during the rounds about the, the PFA and also the <coughs> EFL suggesting a 25% pay cut or deferred by players where do you stand on, yeah. on that and, yeah. and where players in, in league one and two should be well the, 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 the club as in Swindon have been really good to us in terms of anything that they've been communicated via the EFL they've been they've been straight on to us just to let us know and keep us up to date with uh, the, the latest goings on really uh, we, we were notified quite early that we were going to be be furloughed and that the club would still top up the the rest of our wages uh, so that sort of put a lot of minds to rest, I think, especially the younger players, you know, who maybe don't have other things in place to, you know, to su- support their income or to, to substitute that. So as I said, the club have been really good. I think if it comes down to it and further down the line, depending on how long, you know, the the, the season is, is delayed for. And if, for example, the club were in a place where they were struggling to make up the difference because of loss of revenue, then I think the group that we have, if it was something as no more than 25%, I think the if that was for a short period of time, maybe a month, maybe two, I think the players, you know, would, as long as they're guaranteed the rest of that money, then I think in the short term, I think they would be okay with that. Danny, just finally, um, I think it's been probably one of the stories in the Football League this season, the, the Owen Doyle scenario. Um, going back... To his parent club, I don't want to pour scorn on on Bradford, but what was that period like for the lads in the yeah. dressing room at Swindon in particular? Were you on the phone to him every day, just going, "You've got to get yourself back here"? <laughs> it's quite, a, yeah, it's quite a funny, it's quite a unique situation, really. I can't recall another player sort of players rarely go on loan to another club in the same league, and the fact that he'd done so well, you know, made it such a unique situation. It was, it, it did make it difficult for him because he he wanted to stay. He clearly, and he made it clear himself that he didn't want to you know, return to Bradford and see at the remainder of the season there. But no one knowing like he is, you know, he, he would have put in, you know, in a, a shift as he would do, but it just would, wasn't happening for him here. But he felt comfortable down here. I think the style of play that we have 
suits him down to a T, and that, that's evident in in the goals that he scored here. But yeah, we were we. I, I, I'm sort of admin on on the WhatsApp group, and I sort we <laughs> we sort of said to him if he was to score for Bradford, then he'd be he'd be exiled from the from the Swindon WhatsApp group straight away. But that wasn't the reason. That wasn't the reason why he didn't score for Bradford. Uh, but yeah, we of course we were on to him. Some good content we, on there. We, of course, we were on to him. <laughs> yeah, we of course were on to him. We, we wanted him to stay. You know, we, we need him. It, it, it's, you can't replace that those goals. You can't replace. I think he's on twenty five at the moment from perhaps twenty eight, twenty nine games, which is which is priceless. So of course we wanted him to stay. Obviously, Bradford were going to bring him back and and give give him a chance and see if he could carry on his form, which he was from Swindon. But the manager was on and under pressure. I think Gary Bowyer, who's subsequently subsequently left Bradford, was under pressure to do that. So, but that, thankfully, you know, the chairman, uh, who I who I think financed that deal, you know, out of his own pocket to get to get it done, which which is fantastic. So, uh, hats off to them, you know, for getting that deal done. And hopefully, you know, he he's keeping fit, which he's you know he's putting in his uh, screenshots of his workouts into the group regularly as well. So. Hopefully he'll come back fitter and fire and to go and, and can pick up where he left off. Amazing how competitive you all are in, in just putting all your screenshots up just so you can prove you're doing it too. Uh, stick it on the dog and let it run around the park. <laughs> Danny, thank you so much for coming on, on the show. Uh, we'll keep watching the Habitat and the Habit Tracker and everything else on besides. Uh, really enjoying the videos that you're putting up on social media too. So do follow Danny for that. Thank you for coming on, Danny. No way, you're welcome. Thanks very much. Danny Rose of Swindon Town. Sorry, the mighty Swindon Town just in there for Sam. Other headlines then from League Two. X, the City furloughed their players in a bit to ease financial pressure. Players will be paid 100% of their wages for April. Senior staff and players, they've already agreed to defer their wages for the remainder of the season. Newport's ground was broken into. Uh, this was their training pitches as well. Real difficulty for them. When you think Spitty Parkham and so much that's been done at that ground as well and at that training facility for Newport or for that news from them. And uh, writing in his column for Stoken on Trent Live, Port Vale's Tom Pope has suggested that cancelling the Euros could be a way to ease fixture congestion. Plenty across all the leagues that we've rattled through already. So that's almost it for us and the show this week. Anything else you'd like to add, Adrian Clark? Um, no, I, I watched Sunderland Till I Die because... We spoke, didn't we, to, to to one of the executive producers, and it yeah it teased yeah, me into it, and it did not disappoint. Let me tell you, yeah, it was a fantastic little series, and uh, yeah, I can't I kind of now feel a little bit sad that that we probably won't won't see another episode because it didn't sound did it like they were going to go back there anytime soon. No, the the gift that keeps on giving, Sam, for you. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't as good as the first series. I would. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I didn't see the first series, yeah. Yeah, go back and watch that. That's that's it. That's all I needed. That's all I needed. Your review is everything to me. I was just going to mention that yeah. Tracy Neville's uh, new son was spotted in a uh, bib and Tucker, the famous bib and Tucker baby grow of Accrington Stanley. So the decision's been made over over who he's going to support in the future. Have you decided on your, your birth child's future footballing family? Oh, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? Well, he's a... He's a QPR fan. Um, he will be going to watch QPR, but when QPR are away from home and we can't get there, he will be going down to the county ground as, as well, I'm sure, Swindon, to, to watch some fine football at times as well. So QPR will be the team he supports, but I'm sure he will visit the county ground and love the Rockin' Robin. 
and he shall forever be known as just your birth child, as I've just called him. Uh, right, Sam, Adrian, <laughs> thank you, uh, all of you above too. And do remember to keep in touch via the Tochi Show on social media. And to Abby as well, I'm off. Already long gone. Goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. of the Totally Scottish Football Show and if you like football you're gonna love Scottish football it's not all just Stevie G and Scott Brown up here no because we talk about all of the Scottish football and geez oh it's great there's actually a title race this year in the Premiership Stevie G will be hoping not to slip up again Hearts are tearing each other a new one Motherwell are doing well well they're doing well so if you like your football to be competitive have a title race and a ton of drama off and on the pitch the totally scottish football show is most definitely for you grab scottish football by the boys just like ryan christie did and listen to the totally scottish football show available everywhere even in england muddy knees media